I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. I never told anyone this, but the mechanical bull is also named Filibuster. And I gave old Philly that name back when I first got it, 120 years ago. It's high noon. For Thursday, March 25th, 2021, follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator. And you can join the discussion thread at t.me slash I'm reasonable. I'm also on Gab and Parlor at I'm your moderator. And you can go check out the merch at www.cancelcouture.com. Today is the 64th full day of Barack Obama's third term as served by the half-dead, demented, degenerate, ventriloquist, dummy, fake proxy president, Joe Biden, who is overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party to the point where he actually doesn't realize that when he brags about having spent more time with Xi Jinping than anyone because President Hu thought it would be a good idea for them to get to know each other, he's pretty much divulging the fact that he was being played by them and that his ascendancy to the office of fake president was obviously planned by corrupt people who do not have America's best interests at heart. And I'm not even just talking about the Democrat Communist Party this time. He is also the patriarch of one of the most corrupt families in American history and the father of one of the most despicable sons imaginable, Hunter Biden. And we'll get to him in a moment. But congratulations, Democrats. You elected a man who has no idea what's happening anywhere at any time, including right in front of him and also inside his brain. Hallelujah. Now, the fake president decided that maybe... 64 full days into his term, it might be a good opportunity to speak to the media. And I'm going to play one short clip of how that went, and then we can talk about the press conference. The best way to get something done, if you, if it holds near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to, anyway, I'm, we're going to get a lot done. Now, I'm not even sure if just the audio can do that justice because Joe Biden in his eyes 
is actually more confused than how he sounds with his mouth. And watching him give up on trying to get a hold of his own thoughts again halfway through that is disturbing, to say the least. And I'm not sure if you noticed this in the background, but you can actually hear the reporters or someone in the room laughing, trying to make it like, oh, Joe's just joking. But they're laughing at him. And, you know, it sounded as disheveled and ridiculous. It it made me think of when George W. Bush was like, you know, we had a saying in Texas. Maybe they have it here, but they have it in Texas, too. You fool me once. Shame on you. You fool me twice. You fool me and I won't be fooled again. <laughs> I hope that impression did some justice to his silliness. But that that actually sounds completely coherent compared to Joe Biden. This press conference was an absolute disgrace. And the the funny thing is you got people like like Max Boot, that communist, out there talking about how clear and concise this was and that any idea that Joe Biden might be slipping mentally is just from the fever swamps of QAnon. And you have to wonder at some point, like, how far are these media figures going to go with this? Like, they're just still going to keep selling themselves out every day to try to protect this dude? At what point do you realize, oh, wow, everyone thinks I'm stupid? Like, Max Boot is on another planet. Max Boot was always a communist. He pretended to be a Republican, but you can go back and read his writing. There's nothing in his writing that's conservative. He was basically just serving a narrative about how world economics should run, for instance, which is just the same as the normal globalist agenda. The guy does nothing to add to any conversation. The idea that Joe Biden isn't obviously losing his mind is something that you can only sell to the 4 to 6% of communists who will never be able to show their face in public ever again because what they've been doing is so shameful and so dishonest that no person will ever trust them throughout the rest of their lives. You know, I think of I think often of the uh, the communists that I used to be acquaintances with back in Los Angeles who we pretended to be friends for a very long time. And I guess I made the mistake of thinking that they actually had something more in their personalities than they were actually showing. And, you know, we had relationships and we had good times. So you kind of forgive those things. I mean, all they do is repeat the slogans. That's it. They don't know anything about anything. But they repeat the slogans, and then when they're challenged, rather than taking the humble approach of finding what someone else's viewpoint actually is, they just scream the slogans louder at you. And if that doesn't work, then they start calling you racist and homophobe and blah, 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 blah. And 
the truth is that I literally put everything on the line to tell people what I believe is the truth. And I think that I do the work to at least have all my beliefs be founded in something legitimate that I can explain to people, that I can say, hey, this actually is how it is, and I can show you. That's where I'm at, and I'm comfortable with that. I don't regret the things I say on this podcast because I don't have to. Even when I'm wrong, I have a justification for why I said the thing. But I gladly sacrificed my ability to earn money in the industry I worked in. And, of course, anything having to do with Hollywood. I sacrificed my image, I guess I'll say, because I did not sacrifice my reputation, I don't believe. A lot of people would think otherwise. But then again, they're communists who don't know anything. And, of course, I knew that I would lose friends by saying all these things. I came to peace with the fact that these aren't actual friends because actual friends would want to find out what it is you actually think and then judge that. But instead they just judge the fact that you no longer agree with them. So therefore you're responsible for the Capitol riot. (laughs) But these communists on the other hand have sacrificed nothing. I made my sacrifices willingly because of principle, and because of what I knew and believed to be true. These people repeated the slogans and destroyed their relationships, and they are going to be proven wrong. There's no way that they are getting out of this, holding on to these false beliefs, like that COVID is very, very dangerous, or that Joe Biden got 81 million votes. You have to be real stupid to think that. And again, as I said yesterday and the day before, 90% of Democrats think that more than one in 20 people who get the coronavirus go to the hospital. You can look at the world and know that's not true. These people have sacrificed nothing. But they will eventually see the truth. And then what will the max boots of the world be? What will the Alyssa Milano's of the world be? They're not going to want to leave the house because they will only exit that house in shame. And I was talking to someone this morning. We were talking about a bunch of this stuff. He's basically uh, mostly under the radar in his beliefs. And... I was like, man, you got to remember, and I'm saying this again, I've said it before, but I'm saying it to the podcast audience because this is one of those things that you really, really do have to remember. When you're feeling like this stuff just gets worse every day and that this is this can't be reversed and that it's just going to get worse and worse and we're a downward spiral until the concentration camps open, right? We know that Joe Biden did not get 81 million votes. We know that Donald Trump's campaign, for good reason, I'm talking about real polling, real studies, real political professionals, 
knew that if Donald Trump could get 68 million votes, there was virtually no way possible that he could lose. And not only did he get 68 million, he got 75 million. And that's just on their numbers. That's a 12 million vote improvement from 2016. While we're all being told that everyone in the world hates Donald Trump and regrets their vote for Donald Trump, he added 20 percent, 20 percent of his vote total four years later. And the truth is, he actually added a hell of a lot more than that. And we'll find that out, too. But even at 75 million. They knew there was no way, no legitimate way in the world that the Democrats could get more than 68 or 70 million votes. However much that margin would have been that maybe they still could have taken their blue states and California could have churned out 5 million bullshit votes to look like Joe Biden actually did better in the popular vote. But there's no way Joe Biden got 81 million votes and no smart person believes that. There's no way that anyone can actually justify that to you in conversation. Trust me, I've tried it. All they'll ever come back to is, well, there's, there's no proof of, of widespread election fraud that could change the result. Hey, commie, that's not what I asked you. What I asked you was, how do you explain the idea that Joe Biden, without campaigning, got 81 million votes? That's what I asked you. And considering the fact that there's no way that's true, then the next thing is to realize that Donald Trump did win the popular vote. And we do represent more than 50% of this country. And those people in the middle, the Obamis and Romneys, who went and voted for Joe Biden because they thought that their self-image and that their public image was so important that they could actually do something so bad for the country. I think a lot of them are going to have the ability to say, oh, wow. Oh, wow. I was really that wrong about that. I can't believe I said all those things. And hopefully some of them will pick up the phone and start making apologies to people. Or at least they'll enter the world with a newfound sense of humility. But there is that percentage, that 4 to 6% of this American population who is not going to come back from this because of the way they acted, because of how right and holy and righteous and good they think they are. They're not going to be able to come back from that. All of a sudden, they understand, oh, wow, the only people in this country who believe the thing that I've been screaming about are stupid and racist and lazy and privileged and liars. That's what they're going to have to face. They're going to have to realize that Joy Reid is actually just a racist and actually just a homophobe like she used to write in her blogs and actually just a conspiracy theorist. How are they going to deal with that? But let's get to the press conference. I just wanted to put that in everybody's head before this because it's a good thing to keep up there when you start feeling like everything's insane. So. Joe, as of yesterday, did not know that he was having a press conference today. Uh, a reporter shouted out, hey, Joe, like, are you ready for the press conference? And he's like, what? Like, are you getting ready for the press conference tomorrow? Huh? The press conference tomorrow. What press conference? Joe Biden said, for real, 
what press conference? The first press conference of his entire fake presidency, two plus months in, they've been sheltering him from this for over two months. And the day before his first actual public challenge, and I'll get into a second about how it wasn't at all, he doesn't know what's happening. That would be like, hey, are you going to the birthday party? What birthday party? Well, yours. It's that crazy. Like, this is something you plan for and anticipate. And he doesn't even know what's happening. Watch the video. Listen to the clip. If you think that I'm not giving him the benefit of the doubt, I think you will find that you are wrong. So, Joe dragged himself up there and took off his mask. Honestly, they have to stop sending him out in that mask because even just watching him take it off is so pathetic and sad. Like he is a decrepit old man who is clearly falling apart. Joe Biden was not a smart man ever, but now his brain is not there. So Biden began by making some statements so that he could brag, of course. And the first statement was, well, you know, I thought it was a good goal to get 100 million shots in people's arms in the first 100 days, but that happened last week. So now my new goal is to get 200 million shots in people's arms in my first 100 days. Oh, congratulations, Joe. Are you just sitting downstairs in your lab, furiously packaging each vaccine? You're like cooking them up yourself? No. Oh, Donald Trump did that. This isn't surprising or remarkable in the least. All of this is happening on the exact same schedule that Donald Trump had prepared. Someone should ask Joe Biden exactly how his response in terms of the vaccine has differed in any way from Donald Trump's. Well, you see, we've done this so fast that we actually decided to say that we were doing it even faster. Okay, but is the plan different? Is the distribution different? Which part of this is different? What is he going to say? That everybody has to be eligible on May 1st? Well, why wouldn't that have already occurred considering the vaccines are being shipped out on this schedule and that a large chunk of the country doesn't even want to take them? How difficult is it to set that as a goal, to let everybody be eligible by then? Just eligible. That just means you can go on the waiting list. That is a completely fabricated accomplishment. It doesn't mean anything. That's like calling for a doctor's appointment and rather than rather than them saying he can see you in three weeks or you know what? I'm going to be woke here. She can see you in three weeks because women are doctors too. Did, did you guys know that? We should have like a day that we just all tell everybody that women are also doctors because apparently no one knows. I mean, all this new information, these new successes, they are so stunning. Secret information. I let you guys in on it. That's cool. 
But it's like rather than calling and and the office saying the the male receptionist at the office, by the way, because men can be receptionists, too. She can see you in three weeks. It would be like the male receptionist saying, "Ah, hey, you know what? Why don't you call back in three weeks and then we'll let you know when she can see you? Uh, why? You don't really have a schedule there? You don't know what the schedule is going to be like? Are you telling me that in this day and age, with the technology we have and the communication technology we have and the vaccine production technology we have, they can't narrow down exactly when everybody can get their shots in their arms? Really? All right, well, you can join the waiting list on May 1st. Thanks, Joe. But Joe also wanted to brag about the COVID relief package, 9% of which goes to the American people. Joe said that 100 million checks have been deposited into people's bank accounts for $1,400. So is that everybody? Or are we on the banking system from the 1990s? Does everyone else just get like a layaway receipt? I feel like they just wanted to set Joe up with some nice round numbers that he would be able to say. And I wonder, Joe, out of that hundred million, how many of that went directly to debt collectors? Or how much of that was just the United States taking that debt on from debt collectors and just adding it to the deficit in their whole modern monetary theory sort of way and that no money actually went anywhere? I'd be really interested in finding that out. It's a shame that the reporters couldn't ask them stuff like that. But then again, the reporters didn't actually get to ask them press conference questions anyway the reporters all all the ones who were called upon zero of which were from sites and places that could be called conservative fox news was not called on just the news was not called on i guess they ran out of time but george news which everyone should be following on telegram by the way it's just at george news Happening now in the East Room, AP, Reuters, Bloomberg, AFP, New York Times, CBS, Huffington Post, and ABC were all asked in advance to submit questions for the, quote, briefing. No, it's not a briefing. It's a press conference. Joe has all the names and seating postings in front of him, as well as his prepared answers. And seriously, I'll talk about that more as we go on. But this is not a press conference. This is a state media show. This is ridiculous. This is honestly like the nth degree of propaganda. It's hard to get more propaganda than having this display where the president gets asked questions that he already has and already has the answers prepared for. And you might think, 
Oh, well, you know, that's not so bad. Like, they're going to ask the questions one way or another. So they they hand their questions in and then the administration can consider a thoughtful response. Well, okay, if you want to make every possible excuse for his ineptitude, you could try that one. But the thing is, the questions should be new because that's how you can figure out if the person answering the question knows anything about the subject. The other problem, of course, is if you have to submit the questions, then the press secretary, Jen Psaki, actually gets to approve of those questions. And, of course, she didn't do that, obviously, for any other news organization than these ones. Fox's Peter Ducey was in the room. They just never went to him. So he was invited. He submitted his question, most likely, or maybe Fox refused to. That would probably be a little bit too baller for them. I don't think that they would actually do that. But this is propaganda start to finish, and it wasn't even good at that. Okay, so the first question is about immigration. And Biden is like, well, you know, people are claiming that it's they understand that I'm a good man, a decent man. And so they send people to the border thinking that I will be more kind to them and we won't have the humanitarian disaster that we had under Trump. Actually, Joe, the humanitarian disaster is under you and it's under Barack Obama. So throughout Barack Obama's second term as president and third term as shadow president now, the problem has existed. Under Donald Trump, it did not exist. But Joe said the rush to get here right now was because this is the good time of year as far as like weather goes. This is like the busy season. And it actually isn't about how Joe is just driving an open borders policy with no regard as to who's coming into the country or how they're being treated or whether or not they're being tested for COVID. And of course they're not, but they are being allowed to fly and not just after climbing over the big, beautiful wall. Now, I hope that you all can't hear the lawnmower in the background. And if you can... The lawn's not that big, so bear with me. I'm trying to get this out before it gets unreasonably late today, and I know that my schedule on these has been atrocious. Trust me, as soon as life gets nice and settled again, it'll be all good. But pretty much everyone who talks about this issue actually says that the busy season for this hasn't even started yet. So the truth is, of course, Joe Biden is making all this bullshit up because he has no idea what he's talking about. Jen Psaki writes down the answers to these questions, feeds them to Joe Biden on an iPad, which he slowly reads as he's trying to talk these things out. You can actually see him staring down and reading the words. OK, he did this in the presidential debates. He did this in his speeches before the election as well. It is not that hard to have him in this remote interview setting 
getting the answers off a computer screen or an iPad in front of him. If I was listening to these reporters give out their questions and I had someone in that room that needed answers, I could easily type out the answers to these questions quickly enough for Joe Biden to have a continuous thing to read. That's not even remotely hard, okay? And by the way, I have no problem making fun of Joe Biden in these press conferences because, A, I could do a better job, and I have absolutely no doubt about that. I'm not even trying to be cocky. This is, like, such a low bar to cross. And also, I'm not president. So me being able to do that is just out of my own interest and own knowledge and own research. Joe Biden doesn't actually have that advantage. He gets Jen Psaki's half sentences on an iPad. So Joe got asked about the executive orders he signed and whether or not those were a mistake and that maybe he should take them back because obviously they've caused a problem when he got rid of Trump's executive orders, I should say, about the border, right? Joe Biden's response was that President Trump's executive orders actually didn't make a difference. So rescinding them hasn't been a problem. Now, anyone with eyes and a working adult brain can see that that clearly is not true. We had a border crisis under Obama. The media filmed it and disseminated it under Trump, making everyone think it was Trump's fault, even though the picture of the kids in cages was from 2014 and distributed by one of Obama's speechwriters, John Favreau. You can look all this up. If you don't believe me, I'll show you. And then we have the problem now. So what was the difference then, Joe, if it wasn't those executive orders? Illegal immigrants were taking time off. The deep state didn't need more MS-13 members here. What was the difference? The cartel wasn't interested in drug and human trafficking back then. They just took some time off from their big money industries. They were like, ah, Everything went so well under Obama. Maybe we'll just go on vacation. No, it was Trump's policies. And yes, it was Trump's attitude. And if you're too much of a pussy that you're worried about people calling you mean for doing your job and protecting the nation you illegitimately swore to protect, how many times should a good and decent man have to call himself publicly a good and decent man? How many times should all the people promoting this good and decent man, this communist, how many times should they have to tell everyone that he's a good and decent man? Being a good and decent man is the sort of thing people can notice. But honestly, what other move is Joe Biden going to make? Is he just going to straight up take responsibility for this i mean yes to every honest observer this is joe biden's fault and that was barack obama's fault 
the immigration policy changed in the middle, and that's when we didn't have this problem. You have to be totally detached from reality to think otherwise. But Joe Biden just chucked this up to being a muddy circumstance. That's all it is. Just a muddy circumstance. And here's another muddy circumstance. Segway? No. I'm cheating. That's not a good segue. One of the reporters asked about North Korea testing missiles. Because obviously Kim Jong-un is fucking with Joe Biden because Joe Biden is a feckless old communist. And no one in the world is scared of him or scared of U.S. power. Because Joe Biden is compromised, and every single world leader knows that. Joe Biden does not have the freedom to act in defense of the United States. You must understand that. But Joe Biden couldn't even give his personal reaction to a real thing that happened. He simply said, well, well, you know, we're going to discuss with our allies. Really? To know how you feel about Kim Jong-un testing missiles, you need to talk to Canada? And the sad thing is, Barack Obama might give this answer too. And that answer right there is why we actually do need to make America great again. That would have been amazing if it was the end of the show, right? You would have been like, I didn't see that coming. (laughs) Um, So... One of the craziest things about this press conference is that Biden would be talking at a normal voice and then he would bend over into the microphone, just lurching as if he was ready to sniff a small child and he would start screaming into the microphone. And again, I've talked about sociopaths and stuff on the show, how they desire as a as a means of manipulating people, their aim is to simulate genuine emotion because it's not something that they can experience themselves in the way a normal person does. And so one of the ways that you will uh, try to mimic emotion is by changing the way you're speaking to imbue certain ideas with more power. And you can watch like really average, non-charismatic public speakers do the same thing. People often like try to figure out which their like really important phrases are. And it's not their genuine emotion that's being put into the speech. It's like, oh, I have to say this now. And of course, that's what Joe Biden does, because Joe Biden is a very dumb man. And you can look at his speeches throughout the last 50 years and consistently see him try to cover up an entire lack of knowledge with bluster. And that behavior is obviously inauthentic when you watch it. But to some observers, it's still effective. And to most of the rest of the people, they're like, oh, yeah, but that's fine. Everybody does it. Okay. I'll even chalk all of that up as normal, right? This is not normal. Joe Biden does that at times that don't make sense. I'm guessing here and making an assumption about his mindset, you can believe this is a result of something else, but it seems to me like Joe Biden is not actually aware of the parts of his speech. And I don't mean written speech. I mean, his actual parts of his speech, 
the things he says. I'm not sure he knows which of those are supposed to have emotional content or are supposed to be serious. It's so, so weird. Like at one point he was talking about this whole HR one thing that's going on in the house that the communists, the Democrat communist party now simply refers to as getting voting rights done, right? They don't even call it HR one. They don't talk about the details at all because the details are obviously absurd. They call it getting voting rights done. Okay. So Joe Biden was talking about this and this is at one of the points that he started screaming But he said, this makes Jim Crow look like Jim Eagle. What in the world is that? Who told him that that was a good and interesting phrase, that that would have some literary heft? That is comically stupid. Who's Jim Eagle? Is it like that guy from the Muppets? I guess I could see that. It would be awesome if that's really what he's talking about. But what he was trying to say in one of the most retarded ways I could ever imagine is that the push in certain states to actually bring integrity to the election process is more racist than Jim Crow. Okay? And understand what he's saying here. He is saying that preserving the sanctity of the vote, the sanctity of the election, one person, one vote, all of those actual good principles that are the only true representations of the people's voice. He's saying enacting those is more racist than Jim Crow, because how else are they going to argue For H.R. 1, are they going to take on each of these issues individually? Of course not. They're going to say it's racist to disagree with the absolute worst laws you could ever imagine. Laws that would take the last shred of power away from the American underclass, all of whom I'm told only by Democrat communists, of course, because it's wrong. But that all of the American underclass is, quote unquote, black and brown people with capital letters on each one. Okay, just make sure that you know that I put the capital letters on. And so Joe Biden, by doing this, is now recasting Jim Crow as better than allowing people to actually know that their vote counts because the law they're trying to pass is so exploitative of the black community in particular, the community of people on whose backs they're selling this communist policy, that this actually, by the way, is worse than Jim Crow. And you're like, that can't be true. Really? Well, we all know about fractional voting In the Dominion machines, do we not? And so if every vote that Joe Biden gets is worth 1.25 and every vote that Donald Trump gets is worth 0.75, then 
that actually kind of sounds like what they've done is taken all the Trump voters and said, hey, you're three-fourths of a person. And I don't even think it's worth it after yesterday's episode to talk about the fact that an enormous number of capital letter black and capital letter brown Americans voted for Donald Trump. Record turnouts in all those quote-unquote communities. Nonetheless, the people who wanted Joe Biden to win made all of those people three-quarters of a person. And you're going to tell me that the parties switched in their philosophy on race? I don't think so, commie. And so following that, uh, CNN's It Girl, and by it, I just took out the I-D-O in the middle of idiot, uh, Caitlin Collins asked, is the filibuster a relic of the Jim Crow era? And Joe Biden said yes, very forcefully. Because, of course, he's very angry about this issue. And then Caitlin Collins threw the hardest curveball at Joe Biden that I have witnessed in the last, I don't know, forever. I'm not even sure if she did it accidentally, but she followed up and said, then why not abolish it? And now the funny thing about what Caitlin Collins probably imagined she was doing was trying to make the media part of the narrative that abolishing the filibuster is a great thing for the world, especially when it comes to racial issues. That's what they're actually talking about right now, is only abolishing the filibuster when it comes to racial issues or voting issues, which, as we know, is how they're just going to cast everything into the future. But... The Democrats have been very careful about saying that they want to abolish the filibuster. They won't just come out and say it because they know it's terrible politics and terrible policy and that it's going to backfire against them in major ways. So the truth is that Caitlin Collins, by wanting to be part of the, the, the narrative momentum, instead threw Joe Biden a question that he cannot answer. And so immediately he goes down to the iPad and starts waiting for the response to come through. Again, you don't have to believe me. Watch the video. It's exactly what he's doing. You're like, oh my God, Joe Biden has no idea what to say right now. And Alan West tweeted about this whole little segment of the press conference and said, I'm watching the Biden press conference. I can't count how many times I've heard the reference Jim Crow. Let's have a history lesson. Jim Crow was a policy instituted by the Democrats. And by the way, Alan West is a black man. I expect people to know that. But if you don't, now you know. And he says, furthermore, on the issue of the filibuster, the longest ever were Democrat senators speaking against the 1964 Civil Rights Act, which passed because of Senate Republicans. As chairman of the Texas GOP, founded by 150 black men, I will continue to speak against H.R. 1, the progressive socialist attempt to codify unconstitutional actions into law and undermine our democratic electoral system is reprehensible. I'm 100 percent in agreement. 
And if oppositions to such is castigated as racist, history teaches us who the purveyors of systemic racism in America always have been, the Democrats. Just so leftist dummies don't embarrass themselves, those Democrat senators who filibustered the Civil Rights Act stayed Dems, most notably Al Gore Sr. and Robert Byrd. Strom Thurmond was the only one who became a Republican. I guess you're never too old to correct your delusional mistake. The GOP was founded to end slavery. Democrats are still talking about it and creating economic enslavement. Boom! That is an amazing series of tweets right now, and I give a lot of credit to Alan West for dropping those. And then right on the heels of that, Guy Benson, who's a reporter, tweeted out, If the filibuster tool is a relic of Jim Crow, why did you passionately defend it and use it countless times for decades? And he's referring to Joe Biden in the Senate. Following up, do you believe it was racist for your party to mount hundreds of filibusters during the previous administration? And of course, he's talking about Donald Trump. Great question. 250 filibusters while Trump was president. Were those racist? And of course, the Democrats would say, well, no, of course it's not racist when we use it because we're the ones who are fixing racism. Don't you understand? That's why we talk about racism every time we need to do something because we're here to save all those poor black and brown people in those cities that we've led for the last 60 years while their lives continue to deteriorate. So then Biden was asked about whether or not he planned to run in 2024 and why he hasn't kind of set anything up for that and doesn't seem to be working on it at all. And he said he certainly plans to. And so the reporter asked him, or perhaps I should say the state media member asked him. So then are you saying that you're running and Joe Biden gave some answer about how he doesn't try to mess with fate. It'll just be fate. If Joe Biden gets to be president again. (laughs) Yeah. It's all up to chance all up to the will of the American voter. Right, Joe, just like it was this last time. And so then they said, well, do you anticipate running against Donald Trump? And he said, Well, you know, I don't know. I don't really think about him, even though he'd already mentioned him like 15 times and even joked that he missed him. But then Joe said, I have no idea if there will be a Republican Party. Well, what? What does that mean? The other party's just going to go away? How would that happen, Joe? Oh, by passing H.R. 1. Right, 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 right. Because once you can control how people vote and you can already control what they vote, I guess they really don't have a choice but letting you take all the Democrat candidates you want and then installing Republicans to look like there's an opposition so long as those Republicans are part of the overall communist agenda, which many are, you know, Ben Sass, the Romneys of the world. I could really just say Romneys that that always works. And so throughout the press conference, Biden mentioned multiple times that over 50 percent of Republicans were with him on many of these issues. And 
he actually said, I've been uniting the country, like based on the polling data. Basically, he has some study that someone showed him that says the country is more united now under Joe Biden. There is absolutely no way that's true. Because strangely, that other 60% or so of the country who did not vote for him and voted for the other guy, those people aren't generally big fans of being called seditionists and Nazis and stupid. It's not a great way to unify. And certainly Joe Biden has not been a unifier at all. He was asked about China at one point, and I kind of referenced in the beginning about how he bragged about his relationship with Xi Jinping and how President Hu had had them spend all this time together, not realizing he was simply being groomed to be China's stooge. But then he accused Donald Trump of having walked away from Hong Kong and from the Uyghurs which couldn't be more false. Donald Trump was on a path to decoupling from China completely. And Joe Biden and Tony Blinken want to do business with them. Well, we can do business with them, that country with concentration camps that's trying to take over Hong Kong and Taiwan. Donald Trump didn't walk away from any of that. This is just deranged nonsense. And so then he goes into a big thing about autocracy versus democracy and how China and now Russia were both leaning toward autocracy while we here have a democracy. And Joe Biden had the audacity to say that our democracy is equipped to continue as the, you know, the context. But our democracy is equipped because all the people get to speak and compete. What? Speak and compete, really? In coordination with your political party, you communist, the tech companies are freely censoring alternative points of view on every issue, any issue. One of those issues, actually, is the fact that Joe Biden is making it impossible for women athletes to compete. By allowing biological males to compete against them. And at some point he moves on to infrastructure. He gets a question about infrastructure and he starts going off and reading the numbers of how many bridges are in decay, whatever. All the stuff that Obama used to say and didn't fix it all, right? And he says, we can't build back the way it used to be. And then starts describing ways that they would build back better, which, of course, was his campaign slogan and the slogan of the World Economic Forum and all the other globalist communist countries who are following the same COVID agenda and the same vaccine agenda and the same political agenda. And then he ends the press conference by taking a question from a reporter at Univision. And she asks him about the situation at the border and what he's going to do. People asked him about timelines, didn't have any answers. No one really asked him about when reporters can go in and see the cages. But 
While she was asking her question, Joe Biden basically cut it off, which I was told was racist because she's a capital letter brown person and also mansplaining. But Biden said in talking about the conditions, they're already getting better, but they're going to get a hell of a lot better real quick or we'll see people leaving. And he means that he's going to fire people in his administration as if he has the power to do that. And of course, I don't mean legal power because he obviously would have that if he was a legitimately elected president. But of course, he's not. And the main point is that he's not the one making personnel decisions in the first place and will not be at any point holding people accountable because he can't think. And so I imagine that tonight the media will play clips of the fake president saying kind sounding things. They'll clip it all together in a way that makes Joe sound like he was catering to leftists and to Trump haters and making everything about enacting justice or some similarly amorphous and nonsensical slogan. And it turns out Donald Trump's going to be on Laura Ingram tonight. So I guess we'll get to hear what he thinks about the whole thing, which will be incredibly entertaining. And none of the reporters there, oddly enough, followed up on the question that Jen Psaki couldn't answer yesterday about Hunter Biden's dealings in Russia or the Ukraine or China. But there was still some Hunter Biden news today, nonetheless. And of course, this is written up all over, but I'm going to refer to an article in the National Pulse by Natalie Winters. Natalie Winters and Raheem Kassam right now are doing as good a job reporting what's actually happening as anyone has ever done. They are doing excellent, excellent work every day. If you're not going to the National Pulse regularly, I suggest you do. But today, Natalie Winters, the headline is Hunter Biden's gun was found in a dumpster near a school. Secret Service tried to cover it up. That would be a massive national scandal under any normal situation. Secret Service agents involved themselves in an incident where Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, lost possession of a firearm despite the former Veep not being under Secret Service protection at the time, according to a Politico report. You got that? So Joe Biden didn't have Secret Service protection while he was not in office. Nonetheless, the Secret Service went and protected Hunter Biden. That's not what they're supposed to do. On October 23rd, 2018, President Joe Biden's son Hunter and daughter-in-law Hallie were involved in a bizarre incident in which Hallie took Hunter's gun and threw it in a trash can behind a grocery store, only to return later to find it gone. Delaware police began investigating, concerned that the trash can was across from a high school and that the missing gun could be used in a crime, according to law enforcement officials and a copy of the police report obtained by Politico. And now some background here. Hallie was Bo's wife. Bo died. Then Hallie 
started a relationship with Hunter or vice versa. And they tried to include Hallie's sister as well. This really is who these people are. And at some point, everyone should admit it. Now, also, when she returned to find this gun, it wasn't there. So keep that in your head. Secret Service agents then approached the owner of the store Hunter purchased the gun at and asked for the paperwork related to the sale. The gun owner refused to supply the paperwork, suspecting that the Secret Service officers wanted to hide Hunter's ownership of the missing gun in case it were to be involved in a crime, the two people said. The owner, Ron Palmieri, later turned over the papers to the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, which oversees federal gun laws, Politico adds. Days later, the gun was returned by an older man who regularly rummages through the grocery store's trash to collect recyclable items, according to people familiar with the situation. The report continues. The National Pulse was one of the first news outlets in the world to cover the Hunter Biden hard drive from hell, which contained stunning revelations of President Biden's son admitting to working with, quote, the fucking spy chief of China, end quote, and more. You can read from the Biden leaks by clicking here. And that's a great idea. Go to National Pulse. Go to this article. Read that stuff. And now to the Politico piece. The Secret Service says it has no record of its agents investigating the incident. And Joe Biden, who was not under protection at the time, said through a spokesperson he has no knowledge of any Secret Service involvement. Isn't that convenient? They just don't know. And it wasn't on the schedule. That's so weird. How does that happen? And down a bit further, the incident did not result in charges or arrests, but the alleged involvement of the Secret Service remains a mystery. One law enforcement official said at the time of the incident, individual Secret Service agents at the agency's offices in Wilmington, Delaware and Philadelphia kept an informal hand in maintaining the former vice president's security. The person cited an instance in 2019 when the Wilmington office of the Secret Service called the Delaware State Police to arrange security for a public appearance by Biden. The Secret Service declined to answer a question about whether it had informal involvement in Biden's security during this period. Asked whether the Secret Service requested state police security for Biden during the period that he was not under the agency's protection, a Delaware State police spokesman said, quote, I have reached out to our sergeant who oversees the executive protection unit with the Delaware State Police. He is unaware of any such requests or services provided, end quote. Any involvement by the Secret Service on behalf of the Biden family or on its own initiative would be inappropriate interference in an incident that was already being investigated by state police by Delaware State Police with the involvement of the FBI, according to law enforcement officials. And let's remember that that same FBI had Hunter's laptop in the fall of 2019 and sat on it for a year, even though it contained fully exculpatory evidence that Donald Trump was innocent, completely innocent of what the first sham impeachment was about. And in fact, Hunter had all those dealings with Ukraine and Russia and China. That's all on the hard drive. It's not speculation. It's not opinion. It's not maybe it happened. It's there. The FBI helped cover that up. I'd be really interested to see if the Secret Service was involved in that one, too. But it gets worse. 
Politico obtained copies of the firearms transaction record and a receipt for the gun dated October 12th, 2018. Hunter responded no to a question on the transaction record that asks, are you an unlawful user of or addicted to marijuana or any depressant, stimulant, narcotic drug, or any other controlled substance? Five years earlier, he had been discharged from the Navy Reserve after testing positive for cocaine, and he and family members have spoken about his history of drug use. Lying on the form is a felony, though prosecutions for it are exceedingly rare. Neither Halle Biden nor George Messires, a lawyer for Hunter Biden, responded to requests for comment. The gun store incident occurred during a period after Hunter Biden's administrative discharge from the Naval Reserves for his positive cocaine test and his subsequent divorce from his first wife, Kathleen. At the time of the gun incident, Hunter was in a romantic relationship with Hallie, the widow of his late brother, Beau. The incident began when Hallie searched Hunter's pickup, which was parked at her home in Wilmington, because of unspecified suspicions she had. According to the Delaware State Police report, inside the truck, she found a 38 revolver. By the way, those, un, those uh, unspecified suspicions were that Hunter was going to kill himself. And there's evidence of talk of that on the hard drive as well. Hallie took the gun to Jansen's Market, a nearby high-end grocery store, where the Bidens are longtime regular customers. There, she tossed the gun, wrapped in a black shopping bag, into a trash bin outside the store. Later that day, Hallie informed Hunter of what she had done, and he instructed her to retrieve the gun, according to the police report. When Hallie returned to the grocery store, she found that the gun was missing from the garbage bin and reported the issue to the store. Police received calls from the store's general manager, Paula Jansen, and from another person, according to the report. The missing gun caused heightened concern, according to the police report, because the grocery store sits across the street from Alexis I. DuPont High School. Arriving on the scene, Delaware State Police retrieved security camera footage from the store and interviewed Jansen, the store manager. We complied with the police and gave them whatever security footage we could, Jansen told Politico. The FBI also responded to the scene, according to people familiar with the situation. At the time, the FBI was monitoring Hunter Biden as part of an investigation that remains ongoing and that currently focuses on his taxes. The FBI declined to comment. Shocking. In addition to questioning Hallie, police called Hunter to the scene where he was questioned outside the store's loading dock area and explained he used the gun for target practice, according to the report. At one point, two of Jansen's employees, described by the police report as Mexican males, walked past the loading dock area and Hunter told a police officer that the store had some suspicious people working for it. Asked if he was referring to those two staffers, Hunter responded, yeah, probably illegal, according to the report. Isn't that interesting? They're probably illegal because they're Mexican, Hunter? Ha ha, I don't know, but I'm told that's pretty racist. And so you can read the rest of the Politico article if you like. Uh, the headline is Sources, Secret Service Inserted Itself into Case of Hunter Biden's Gun by Tara Palmieri and Ben Schreckinger. And of course, this is the same Tara Palmieri who was involved in that T.J. Ducklow story that uh, assistant to Jennifer Psaki, who got fired like two weeks into Biden's fake presidential term. But what I'm most interested in here is the order of events, because Hallie threw the gun out, then they couldn't find the gun, then Hunter probably realized that was a problem. 
But the next thing we know is that there were police, Secret Service, and the FBI all involved. Which one did Hunter call first? I highly, highly doubt it was the police. And then the police would have called the FBI. And then who would have called the Secret Service? Do the police call the Secret Service for an incident like this? No, there's no way that's possible. Maybe the FBI could have, but also pretty doubtful. I would guess that actually Hunter called the Secret Service because they had a special relationship. And it must have been really special considering that they did not keep any records of it and won't answer any questions beyond that. You got to wonder what the Secret Service was actually at that gun shop for that day. Was there an investigation? Were they able to subpoena that material? Of course not. They just wanted the records of the fact that Hunter had purchased the gun there in the first place. And I was saying on the, uh, the discussion thread the other day, I think that one of the most important things that we can do right now in terms of waking people up is to expose these stories about the FBI and the CIA and even the Secret Service and the corrupt elements within all of them. Because it's critically important that commies, Obamis, Romneys, and Maskeys all get it through their heads that you can't just trust the FBI and the CIA because they basically do all the time, right? Or at least they've been conditioned to the last four years because they kept hoping that the FBI or the CIA would provide the silver bullet that just made Donald Trump go away forever. That didn't happen. But both the FBI and the CIA are critical factors In the situation we find ourselves in, where such a large portion of the country has absolutely no idea what's going on. They didn't get there by accident. The FBI and the CIA play the media however they like. The media follows along like the broken, little, pathetic, injured hyenas they are. And they do these people's bidding. The commie side understanding that they can't use, oh, the FBI said this, the CIA said that, that they can't use that stuff as an excuse. That makes a big difference because the entire commie viewpoint, the entire commie argument about no election fraud rests on the fact that they think Bill Barr said something that he didn't say or at least not the way they think he said it. And that Chris Krebs also said there was no evidence. That's the whole argument. They can't actually argue that there's no evidence. They only argue that other people say there's no evidence. And they are just assuming that because those people served while Donald Trump was president, that somehow they were all doing his bidding. They're very confused about how the government works because, of course, they don't actually know anything. And they also simultaneously believe that there is widespread corruption, but also no corruption. 
Okay, I believe there is only corruption or almost only corruption. And the way you prove you're not corrupt is actually by being right and being principled every single time you open your mouth. Telling the truth all the time. Jim Jordan tells the truth all the time. Josh Hawley tells the truth all the time. Marjorie Taylor Greene is definitely telling the truth all the time. Matt Gates is great, too. But beyond them, there's not too many. That's why MAGA cares so much about Donald Trump and people who support Donald Trump, because that is the only way that we can see you care more about the truth than you do about your own political career. And the truth is all that matters. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. And Joe Biden will never be president. Goodbye. Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting, or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks for listening. Please follow the podcast on Instagram and Parler at I'm Your Moderator. Soon I'll be up on Rumble with a video aspect. In the meantime, if you'd like to support the show, I have a Substack, I'm Your Moderator.substack.com, where you can donate. Or you can donate at anchor.fm by searching Be Reasonable with your moderator, Chris Paul. I hope to see you soon. Back out on the rain. Backing as moderator for tonight's broadcast. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com. Or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. 
I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!